Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Titonton Duvante. Duvante is one of the most interesting producers to emerge from America's Midwest techno scene. Alongside the likes of Charles Knoll and Todd Sines, he crafted a trippy, jazzy and minimal style of dance music, finding a home on labels from Planet E to Seventh City and Metamorphic. Although he's been in the business for around 20 years, he's experiencing a resurgence. A new generation of DJs have turned his classic records into hot commodities, and he's rebooted his own residual recordings with a string of reissues and new productions. RA's Matt Unicomb sat down with Duvante before a gig at Club Divisionaire in Berlin to talk about his history and his steady return to the spotlight. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The exchange with Titonton Duvante is up next. Going to Europe pretty often now. Has, yes. it, has that always been like that? There was a period of of a lull when I was living in Brooklyn. I was really concentrated on surviving there. But uh, now that I'm back in Ohio, things have definitely started to pick up again, which is great. Yeah. And was that just a coincidence, or you weren't able to work on as much music in Brooklyn? I definitely was not able to work on as much music in Brooklyn, for sure. It's uh. It was rough out there, but learning experience. Definitely uh, good to be there, but also happy not to be there anymore. Um, how long were you there for? Eight years. Okay. And yeah. you worked, you had a normal job there as well? Had or a, just a normal job. Oh, oh yeah. Doing what? I was uh, running restaurants. Oh, really? Yes. So, I was uh, very time consuming in that city. Yeah, that's like a high pressure. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Whew. And was it good creatively as well? Like, were you hanging with other producers and, I don't know, going to parties? Uh, When I could. I I was going to the bunker party fairly often, but as time went on, I I couldn't go out as much. So Stuck in the kitchen. Pretty much. (laughs) There's actually quite a few. I've met, like, quite a few... uh, DJs who have like whose other career has been 
restaurant related. There are so many cooks around. The thing is, is that it's a creative venture as well as you're mixing elements kind of similar to what you would do in a in a studio. You know, you're doing that observing or participating in a kitchen. So there's there's definitely that that overlap. So are you only into high end like food now? <laughs> not at all. Okay. <laughs> not not even close. <laughs> Guilty pleasures all all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what made you move to Brooklyn? Just was it the first time you'd lived outside Ohio? For an extended period, yes. And uh it was kind of more of a personal challenge really. In Ohio, there's not so much going on. And I really wanted to go where the action was. And uh didn't know I was gonna get so sucked into just trying to survive there. Uh, the transition was difficult. <laughs> Did you already have the job sorted? No. Oh, okay. No, not at all. Actually, for the first three months that I was there, I was doing music only, and that was also very trying. <laughs> very trying. Did you have a studio there, or you could do it at home? I actually sold all of my gear and was doing everything in the box, everything in a laptop, which was kind of cool. That was the the influence of uh, working with a couple producers, mainly John Tejada. I, I definitely want to credit him with introducing me to working on the software sides of sides of things, uh, for sure. I was able to reduce what I had and still get the same amount of expression. So no uh, complaints about producing in the box. Yeah. And you're still doing that? Because I was reading that you I, sold I all am. your gear, early 2000s. Yes. Yeah. I am still on the box. I want to get a few bits and bops. So great time for hardware. Seems like, seems to be a hardware renaissance actually lately. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll gather a few pieces here and there. I definitely like tactile. I like being able to touch and twist knobs. And when I do my live PA, you know, by have a few bits of kit and also play quite a bit live as well. Like, uh, like you can play melodies or that's all done on the. I definitely, I, that's, that's the way I compose. I, I play everything. I just, I just have to do that. That's the way I always have. And I don't see that method changing. I mean, enough respect for people that can look at a screen and a grid and program that way. I guess I can't do it. <laughs> So can you work on the road also? I can, yeah. I, it depends on if I want to bring a controller keyboard. I do have a very tiny Arturia 25 key. I brought a couple times and worked on tunes or remixes on the road, but usually the schedule is pretty jam-packed if possible. I kind of like to keep it moving, you know, just... Make it all count if I'm going to take the journey overseas, just be as busy as possible. Mm, have you considered moving over here? Quite a few times. And what you, what's stopping you? Or, yeah, what are your thoughts uh, on it? The thoughts are I kind of would want to ease into it, perhaps uh, split, you know, find a sublet and try it out for like two months and just play as much as possible and then go home. I'm a bit hesitant on diving all in. Just because of the times that I have done that, uh, all it takes is for one or two gigs to fall through. And, you know, that's that's that can be a bit frightening. So 
kind of working my way towards the stability in the scene to where I, I would feel comfortable making that type of move. Yeah, that's a big one. If you've lived in one place, well, if you've lived in your home country for your whole life. Just a bit of a worry wart and a planner, I think, too much. So that's that's part of it as well. Because it's interesting, like, uh, well, at least from my perspective, there does seem to be like a lot of renewed interest in your sound. And I wonder, have you also felt that or have you just consistently had, because you're the kind of the producer that the people who know your tracks really love them. People are very much into this residual kind of deep, spacey techno sound. Okay, yeah. As you, well, as you know, like yeah. uh, the parties you're playing at, like, for example, I saw, remember uh, the Slow Life party at Hopatossa? Yes. This yeah. is a nerdy, like, this is a, this is like a headsy party. Right. You know, the people right, right. who go there, the people who play there. They really know music. Yes, they do. So I guess my question is, uh, when you're one of these producers that's so, I guess, beloved by this group of people, have you just always, does it feel like there's new interest or have you always just had people really geeking out over your stuff? It definitely feels like there's uh, there's a bit of new interest, with, uh, especially with a lot of younger producers, DJs, promoters. You know, I've played for people as young as like 22, 23 recently. I'm like, how do you even know my tunes? It's, wow. So, yeah, I feel there in the last maybe five years, there's been a renewed interest. And yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and how were these tunes re- uh, like received when they came out? Like in 2002 or something, put out a spacey techno tune. What kind of, was it still just like, headsy people really into this or did it have like a far wider like reach than it 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 seems like there's not necessarily going for a crossover and it seems like there's never really been that it's just kind of an audience has stumbled upon it and gravitated towards it which is awesome and much appreciated but i definitely haven't had that signature hit at least in my mind i'm and as i stated i'm not really going for that but just trying to be creative and express myself so i don't know it it's tough to gauge who who you're reaching really I, just make I'm, the chains put yeah it out. yeah exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for people enjoying what i do but really don't know who, <laughs> who those people are yeah i need to ask someone else <laughs> yeah yeah because i guess this this sound you have to at least the way i kind of see it you have to or you have to somehow appreciate good house and techno to love this kind of music it's not like it doesn't have this big obvious melody or some really like cheesy vocal you know what I mean? Like it's right. pretty De- devoid of hooks. Yeah, as, it's as reduced word, yeah. like pretty as far as house music goes, like or well, house and techno goes, like uh, fairly like intellectual music. I would say sure. As it's for the mind and body. Uh, yes, thank you. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely going for that. Yeah, because it happens like um, at least with me with this kind of deeper stuff. If I showed like for example, like I should send my brother who's not into dance music tracks all the time. It could be, like, the most amazing Aphex Twin tune that me and you would be absolutely, like, geeking out over. But for him, it's just like, oh, yeah, cool. Because you have to already have that, like, uh, maybe history to appreciate the best 
Yeah, to to a degree, I don't I don't want to assume anything. Yeah. You know, if often uh, kind of like your brother, I'll show people that aren't so into electronic music, maybe not necessarily my tracks, but maybe like a Morgan Guy's track or a Dan Curtin track, and it's kind of almost in the defense of there are people that have this mindset that electronic music it's computer music it's cold there's no emotion and it practically makes itself and it's super simple and then i'll show someone a track like by those artists and i'll go well actually there's i guess there is a degree of merit to to this music and what's being done and that's not why i make music but i could i definitely like pulling people in that may not have had an interest before i guess especially in the u.s with the whole edm thing that's just so far reaching at least it feels like in europe if you're like a 23 year old kid even if you're not so deep into like house and techno you've heard good tunes somewhere so when they think of dance music they're not thinking of like skrillex or electric daisy carnival or something uh that was a u.s more like five years ago okay and the Basically, either people have grown out of that or they've matured. Their tastes have become more refined and they won't necessarily think of the artists that you mentioned. They'll think of something a little more, quote unquote, underground, as, as it were. So, yeah, that's, that's a cool thing about the small and constantly developing scene in the U.S. It's, mm. it's interesting. Are you still time. meeting, uh, are there still lots of people in the U.S. getting into your stuff for the first time? Cause yeah. as, as, yes. So yes. this thing that's happening in Europe is also happening in the U.S. with, like you say, these 22-year-old people yes. putting on cool parties. Yes, that is definitely happening globally. It's crazy. It's No complaints, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to have people in their early 20s, like reference tracks that you made when they were born or before they were, it's like, whoa, okay, awesome, cool. Can you say why this stuff has stayed timeless? Like, what's your take on it? Can I say one? No. My only thing I was trying to do was just make quality music, just express. I guess I feel fortunate that there, there was no at least in my mind, level of cheese. It's comes from a, a good place, a good intention. And I think that kind of lends itself to the, to it being timeless. It's oh, my word. It seems so lofty though. <laughs> yeah. It's timeless. I made Thomas tracks. So. <laughs> yeah. I just made a man. It was easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really wild for me. Like some of the, some of the tunes, I'm just like, just trying to make it, make a jam. And do you know, 20 years later, like, oh, man. Like, the, the the first residual release, just in Paris recently, you know, I had a young person come up and say, the B, the B2 on that, my jam. I'm like, whoa, you've got to be, like, 25. You, that, you were, like, five when that came out. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. For me, I just think it's because it's, like, it's this more reduced sound. So there's not that much to make it feel dated or, like, annoying, you know? Like, uh, so much stuff from that time. Think of all these, like, tribal house or, like, there are so many elements, like, kind of get your, trying to get your attention that eventually they just get out of fashion, maybe. 
But when you think about all this, Daniel, when well, at least when I think about all this, the house music from the US, the house and techno from the US that's, uh, that's, that feels timeless, there's just like slicker, there's, there's not as much. Yeah, sure. It's like, more, more pure, just there's a purity to it. Yeah. It's just uh, not overdone, I guess yeah. is the way to say. I and don't know. Would, would you hear lots of music back then that you didn't like? You know, of course, if you go into going to Detroit to like listen to all these great DJs, did you also knew know that there was this whole other corner of house and techno? Would you hear stuff and be like, "Oh no," or was the stuff you were hearing all, I don't know, to your taste? Well, being in Ohio, at first it was kind of get whatever you can take, and uh, a lot of the tunes that I was f- first checking. Almost embarrassing, a little, little cheesy. I mean, full, full raved up kind of music. And then, yeah, going to Detroit, I was there um, a couple times a month for years. And hearing the deeper side def- definitely formed my taste. Um, I would say that at that time, I was pretty open-minded, though. That I wasn't really hearing too much that... I thought, oh no, this is this is terrible. This is a, the worst thing ever. You know, I'd say that groove's not really capturing me. But I'll look across the room and see it doing something for someone else. So the tune was doing its work. I, I, I can't really knock it because of that. You know. Yeah, it's fulfilling its like purpose. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So in in my eyes, that tune has enough quality to to give give someone life. So yeah. I, not here to knock anyone else's productions, really. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's all subjective. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Back, <laughs> keep coming back around to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't realize you're going to Detroit uh, so often. Yes. And you, a couple hours. And in a you car. would drive, catch the bus. Um, oh. With uh, a crew, my my crew, we we go up all all the time. Like from late '92. Oh, I'm putting years to it. Through. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Yeah, it's in Detroit at least twice a month. And so, what was you would finish work or university on a Friday, drive there, and stay all weekend? Or for a while, uh, I want to definitely say I was a pretty hardcore raver. I know that may have negative connotations, but that was definitely the case where we 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 just search out the music and yeah, perhaps be Detroit on a Friday, Chicago on a Saturday, or. Cleveland on a Friday, Detroit on a Saturday, but every Friday and Saturday we were looking to go to some event to to hear this music. Just ravenous. I, I, I want to hear more. I want I want to see DJs do their thing. I want to dance. I used to dance quite a bit actually. I'm getting a bit old, so <laughs> you won't won't see me on the dance floor as much. But it, it does happen. <laughs> yeah. Were you producing at this time? Yes. Would you give your tracks to DJs? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A, l- a little, little shy. I've always been shy. Still shy now. Um, about that, but would definitely give music to DJs just to kind of see what their reaction, get their feedback. And I'd say it was good. The, the most often feedback was, this is cool, but I don't know if I could play it, play this. It's a bit complex for, to fit into a DJ set, but yeah, perhaps I'll try. It's okay. Yeah. No. No complaints about that. It's all right. Well, now it's good because the parties go for so long now. So you need this this slightly deeper stuff as well. Sure. You know? Yeah. 
I wonder if that's also part of the reason why why this kind of music is so is working so well now, because it's this after hours thing is so important, at least in Europe hmm. and also in the states, I guess. But uh, people like also need this deeper sound as well. It can't only be like high energy all the time, right? Sure. There's more of a space to play this more complex, this more complex music. I see that, and also uh, extended sets are becoming more prevalent everywhere. So, you know, if you're going to play a five-hour set, you know, mix it up a bit, you know, to have a track, especially back in the day, I feel like a lot of my tracks could stand on their own where you could play it from top to bottom and enough would be happening in it. It would change enough for, you know, have a have a B section to where that could almost be the DJ's, I need to go to the Lou track, you know, put it on for seven minutes it's gonna be doing so many different things that yeah i need to take a break put this on there it is yeah yeah, yeah they're not just loop tracks no there's all they're always evolving and yeah yeah that's uh definitely very intentional trying to uh make tracks that evolve and unfold and change and mutate yeah it's uh adventure in the studio yeah i wonder if that's your like musical training it can't, yeah, you can't just make a loop, a functional loop. There has to be some musicality. Yeah, that's it's part of it. But also listening to early jungle, hardcore, drum and bass, a lot of those changes come from the influence of that style. Like listening to a Four Hero record, you know, from 1993, I mean, that changing constantly changing evolving evolving and i took great influence from that yeah i don't know so much of this music like early hardcore and oh yeah should check it yeah i mean it's it's actually interesting to see it kind of making a bit of a comeback you know be a lot of break beats that are let's say 130 in tempo a lot of sounds like really coming back so cool to see some of it cheesy some of it standing the test of time, and there are DJs that can make both ends of the that that spectrum that sound work. So yeah, it's amazing. So what came uh, more easily to you, the groove or like the melodies? I'd say it's about the about the same, really. Um, if you're speaking in terms of like production, typically I'll start with the chords like a chord sequence so yeah sure i guess a groove and kind of build from there but there have been times where i'll be playing around with percussion sounds and just have this rhythm i'm like okay yeah that's something i i I can build from that so the creative process in terms of production it's just kind of they'll either be something in my head or i'll be playing something and build and when it starts to gel yeah, it's a wrap. It's a great feeling. And uh, will you work on a track? Because there are so many changes in the tune, mm-hmm. I assume you spend a lot of time on each track. Of course, that's also relative. but <laughs> It is relative. Yeah. It it depends. I, well, to, to a fall, I, I work, produce way too slowly to the dismay of many record labels and my, myself, actually. Uh, Bank balance. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> like, it's, it's now to the point where 
uh, if a label asks me for a track, I'll say, well, two things. I, I do work very slowly, so uh, and I've promised a bunch of other people music, so it's going to be months, Join the literally, queue. <laughs> literally months before I can get to working on something for you, and I'm sorry. Also, I don't like to force creativity, I kind of when I'm in the, the mindset, the mood to sit down and be creative or or feel inspired and that's when it really starts to flow but yeah i'm typically about a a week to a week and a half on the track and i know that rate is so slow it's terrible well at least you can hear the care in the production like we're talking about like the track can't shift so much without spending that much time it goes back to overthinking though (laughs) It, it would kind of be nice to just jam and be free and there are Producers I know, they're like, I did an EP in a week. Do you know, I did three tracks a day. I'm like... It's an album in an afternoon. I'm like, okay, that's that's amazing. Uh, I'm envious, but uh, I don't know. It's not, don't work that way. When you do f- finish a track, are you happy with it? Or are you kind of just, uh, all right, I can't spend any more time on this thing. Here it is. Well, my, my method of production is if... I finish a tune that I'm happy with it. That's, that's to say that if, if it makes it to the completion point, I like it. Yeah, it's not like uh, you make some chords and then realize you don't like them. Okay, I'll save them for later. Yeah. Just get rid of them. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, usually just chuck it and go on to the next, next project. Mm. Yeah. How much time do you get to work on production back in Ohio? Uh, not as much as I would like to. I guess everyone would also. Everyone wants more time to work yeah, on music. Yeah, definitely. And every producer has his problem. Yeah, but I definitely would like much more time to focus on productions. But that's not complaining about playing. I go through time periods, kind of like right now, where I'm playing quite a bit, and you know, I want to focus on performing, playing DJ sets, and occasionally doing the live set as well. And with those, I put so much time into a live set. It's it's crazy. Like in my writer, I like to have twelve weeks to prepare for a live set. This because that's but how much time I spend working on it. Mm. Yeah. So to answer your question, not as much time. (laughs) I would like always need more time. Yeah, yeah. So what is your life like in the U.S.? Uh, I'm waking up way too early. And uh, going to bed way too early. Oh, way too early. (laughs) Being being made fun of for how (laughs) early I I go to bed. I'm typically asleep during the week by 10 p.m., 11 p.m., sometimes (laughs) 9. But I'll wake up between 4 and 7 almost almost every morning. I wouldn't make fun of you. I reckon that's all right. But, yeah, life is is cool. Produce when I can. um, Play when I can. I'm involved in... Throwing a monthly party with three other really amazing resident DJs that we have. And that actually takes up uh, quite a bit of time as well. Just promoting and keeping that end of things going. The the event's called called Midwest Fresh. and Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes up quite a bit of time. But love being involved in it. It's just uh, giving the opportunity. It's all about community and being able to share you know expose people who wouldn't hear these artists 
you know, in my hometown, being able to curate quality music so close to home. Yeah. And where exactly are you living now in Ohio? Columbus, Ohio. Oh, Columbus. Cool. Yeah. Is the party just in Columbus or it moves around? Midwest Fresh Party is just in Columbus. Yes. And uh, yeah, once a month, typically last Saturday. And for a while, we were really focused on uh, Midwest DJs. We've kind of branched out a bit. And we've had some DJs from the coast and also from uh, overseas, a few here and there. And what's the crowd like? Because it's a big university town. It uh, is. Yeah. The, the crowd is small, but very open-minded and devoted. Like, couldn't ask for a better audience, you know, 200 to 300 people and so open-minded. I think that's the, the comment that most artists that we have performed is like, I could totally go left with this crowd and they followed me. And you don't get that so often. I try to be personally, try to be very careful of the types of events that I'll play, but I know other artists don't necessarily get the chance to play for an audience that's so receptive. And I don't know if that's a Midwest thing or if that's really happening everywhere, but oof, kudos to the crowd that we draw. I, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Maybe inspires some more producers from the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So much talent. That, that's another thing really helping keep the scene going not only in the u.s but also see in europe so many talented producers young talented producers that are blowing me away on the regular um just hearing tunes by people in their young 20s and i'm just like whoa what so a lot of guys in france loop exposure uh this guy dife to sharon just the list goes on and on. Sweely, so many super talented young producers. Yeah, that's the thing. I was wondering if you're still finding lots of new music that you like. Oh, all, yeah. all the time. It's there's there's almost too much, and you know, no complaints. But yeah, I'm all, <laughs> yeah all, there's too much good music. You know, I'm always trying to find <laughs> yeah. you know someone doing something quality. You know, uh, Floor FM, Taylor Hawkins, psh, blowing me away. There's uh, so many amazing young producers and I'm constantly searching for for that. So what is it about, uh, I know for you, this idea of like space and like House and Techno has been around for so long now. Do you still get this modern kind of spacey feeling from it? I do to a degree, but I, I will say, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm kind of a bit jaded, but I will say that, yeah, when I was younger, it was definitely all about yeah, the technology and futurism and really uh, attracted to that mentality and vibe. I don't feel it as much, but still feel it. I'll, I will hear some tracks and say this, yeah, this is total future, future music, but nowadays it's almost like future retroism yeah yeah yeah, you know, exactly. I, don't, I, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know like when you're watching sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s a lot of the music this these days kind of feels like that to where it was forward thinking 
but retro at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's funny, like, uh, I understand how deep you are into, like, the space concept or I saw that your first track was called Journey to the Stars. Yes, yes. So you're basically like a lifelong oh, yeah. science slash yeah. space guy. 100%. Uh, I kind of just had a thing for astronomy at a very young age. actually studied at university astronomy when I was, how old was I? 10 or 11. They, they let me into the observatory and the planetarium and took a couple weekend and night classes. So yeah, I've always really been into it. And what is it? Is it about the unknown or I don't know the idea that something else is out there? Like what's the appeal? It's definitely the, the appeal of there, there's something out there. I mean, we're, we're not alone, you know, I'm not this really big alien conspiracy theory type of person but come on that, yeah exactly <laughs> like really the, we are not alone i mean it's, it's, it's that simple and just uh the birth and development of a star the gravitational force of you know the center of a galaxy you know all, all it, it's just so fascinating to me so are you still reading con- are you still up to date with modern astronomy not as much as I, I would like to be. You know, I do like hearing about, oh, you know, this, this, this solar system. Exactly. Whatever, you, yeah. we, we think that there are only so many planets in our solar system, but there's actually these planets. There are these micro planets. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't keep up as much as I, I would like to, but. Do you think the government knows that aliens, do you think there has been like contact made? One hundred percent. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. See, I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about it, but that's pretty interesting to think about. Like Rockwell, what is it? The Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One, Rockwell. Yeah, definitely happened. You know, I don't want to sound like a tinfoil hat person, but contact has definitely been made. Like, and so, what do you? Yeah, I, I, what's the government playing at by keeping it secret? They can call it just create too much havoc. Maybe. I mean, it's a possibility that that's. There's that, but I also think, you know, it's what can we siphon from technology-wise and use it to to our advantage. If you think about the development of technology, say, from, like, the 1940s until now, like, how quickly and wide-ranging or even speed it up to, like, the 60s now, the last 50 years. It's been, like, exponential. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean... But at the same time, yes, there there aren't flying cars. That doesn't exist yet. The technology is there. I think that's that's being stifled. But uh, yeah, contact's been made <laughs> for, for sure. I hope like in uh, my lifetime, there's some official like something happens. Not a war. Not like yeah. destroyed by aliens or something. Right. But um, wouldn't it be good to know like just to really know for sure? Yeah, that there was something. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's happened. Yeah. Like, I, I have no doubts. But, yeah, for it to be just widespread and in the yeah, open. Yeah, exactly. Said, yeah, in the open. Exactly. Okay, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, we know about this colony over here. They've actually, we've had contact with him for, you know, a solid 70 years. Sorry. We, we, we just, <laughs> yeah. we didn't. We could have been having holidays there for 70 years. Right. How dare you keep the secret? Yeah, but that seems to be missing from, um, it's not as common as it used to be, this idea of the future in space in 
why in why do you think it was so important in the US? Like to Detroit, like this futurism and this Well if you look at the conditions of some of the cities, you know, all you can do is look to the future and look to space and especially like like a Detroit, you know, it's the motor city and you know, you have big factories becoming automated and you you had to think about technology, think about what's next. And now it's in your face. I mean, think think about a cell phone. I mean, I mean, really, it's it's in your pocket. It's a a serious seriously powerful computer. I mean, think about a cell phone in your pocket and think about your Commodore 64 computer from 1984 and your cell phone is so many times more powerful than that. You know, so you you back away from that and it's almost like you take technology for granted. And I I think that's why it's not as prevalent, pardon me. Um of a focus in in dance music because it's so in your face you know you have a microcomputer in your pocket yeah and it's just accepted it's just the norm yeah right i guess yeah the 90s was such a time of change yeah as you say yeah if all of a sudden there were flying cars and and now we just get netflix (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna the flying car thing's not gonna happen overnight yeah do you dj differently now compared to i don't know 10 15 years ago yes and what yeah what's the difference slower Uh, that's part of it i think i'm constantly trying to evolve my dj style and i will say to a fault in the past it was more about um just playing a few of my favorite jams and not really building a set and you know some people have said that i'm a okay turntable list or whatever and in the past it was more about cutting things up and doing tricks and i have always spent quite a bit of time searching for quality music and there was more a focus on what i could do on the turntables instead of this really high quality track that i want to feature so i've come a bit away from that mixing style no more spin backs um no it happens yes it, it definitely happens but it's it's not the the focus the focus isn't is, isn't me and what i can do the focus is to present in a creative way uh other people's amazing productions I guess like let the tunes do the talking rather than yeah i mean the, i'm yeah. s- still more aggressive than other DJs, but it's not no longer the focus. And that's, I'm constantly trying to evolve and become better as a, as a DJ. Um, definitely my own worst quit critic and very rarely satisfied with really? my DJ sets. So oh, yeah. what, yeah. uh, what, what you be happy about? What's something that would make you think it didn't go well? Don't think it usually goes well. So, uh, I really just have to tracks flow in the set builds and then has an ebb to and flow to it. I kind of like the set to tell a story to where I'll have a starting point and it'll just build from there. And then once people are going crazy, just have a cool down, Mm. cool down period as well. And if a set does that, tells that story, 
it executes that well and the mixing is relatively clean, then I guess it'll be okay. Um, I guess they're pretty high standards though. Yeah. Ugh. I'm glad people enjoy what I do. I've learned over the years to simply say thank you. <laughs> if someone rather like, no man, you're lying. You say, well, I appreciate what you're saying, but you know, 20 minutes in, when I tried this and it went awry, and then the needle slipped. At this point, you know, pe- people don't want <laughs> your, oh, yeah, your your essay on 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 everything that went wrong in your set. So just try to simply say. Thank you.